welcome to the Conscious Coaches on the Mission, the podcast where we take super inspiring and profitable mindset, energetics, and online business strategy and get it into the hands of the most heart-centered people like you, creating mission-driven, soul-aligned businesses. I'm your host, Eugenia Oganova. I am a Clairvoyant seven-figure business strategist, personal transformation expert, and a messaging energetics coach with over 20 years of experience. I'm the owner and CEO of TranscensionGate.com and the creator of the Conscious Future Method. I'm also a best-selling author of three books, and I've been featured in over 100 publications, specializing in helping spiritual coaches and healers sustainably scale into multiple six and seven figures without forcing themselves to work harder by weaving masculine business strategy to feminine quantum energetics and customizing with their unique soul design and mission. Twice per week, in my 20-minute conversations, I'll be celebrating one lucky conscious entrepreneur on a unique mission, their expertise, business growth, leadership, and contribution to human awakening. Stick around to the end of the show. In 20 minutes, I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. Let's do it. Our today's guest is wonderful Trisha Carr. She is a spiritual teacher. She is a guide, in an animal communicator, a hypnotherapist, a healer, a fellow podcaster. She does so many things and she's absolutely awesome. So welcome, Trisha. Thank you so much for having me, Eugenie. I'm very excited to connect in this way again, because you were on my podcast. So thank you for having me. Oh, this is great. So why don't we start by you explaining a little bit what is it that you do? Because you do kind of a amalgamation of many things into something totally unique that is your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the, the best way to describe it, the simplest way is that I do reflector. I'm a reflector. <laughs> My human design is a reflector. <laughs> so I, I sample life and everything. I feel like as niched as I am is that is probably spiritual teacher being, you know, a spiritual channel. That is the, that's the way that I would generalize it the most. Um, but the, I, what I actually, as I, most of my life, I was shut down in my gifts, at least in a conscious way, but I didn't realize it was all already happening. You know, the uh, fundamental uh, ways that I connect are with the empathic nature that, well, you know, again, being a reflector, all of the centers are open. So I'm just receiving everything from everywhere. It's the most vulnerable to conditioning. And so that's another way to say empath, of course. Mm -hmm. And the first, and so, you know, I, I guess in some ways they were shut down because my, my journey is what is a very painful one in my childhood. There was a lot of abuse, disease, alcoholism, and then the, my second half of my childhood, I was directly abused and had a lot of narcissistic um, abuse, narcissistic abuse happening in my life. And then my early adulthood, I found a narcissist to replace my, you know, my parents. And so there was a lot of pain for the first few decades. And that's why I think that I had, uh, in a way, turned down the gifts, turned down the sensitivity. Well, I couldn't turn down the sensitivity, but I wasn't aware of it. In, and I had, no, I had no metaphysical paradigm, no mystical paradigm. I only had Christian church 
in the Christian church, I was mediumistic. I was a healer. I was, I was all the things that we do now. Uh, but then I moved away from the church because of the, that was painful as well with the dogma and everything that can tend to come with religion. So when I awakened, there's a reason why I'm telling that backstory, because when I sort of awakened into my metaphysical experience, the first portal for that was understanding this idea of being an empath or being so very sensitive that I was always bringing in every energy and that I needed to start to manage that and master that and that I could manage and master it. And then the specific a psychic gift that I opened up in a conscious way was animal communication. And I was actually always doing that. I didn't realize that other people didn't have that same experience. And it just took me having one moment where someone, where I was exposed to it as a, a gift or as a skill and sitting down with an animal and having a conversation, the com that conversation saved that animal's life. It was a cat, literally saved her life. And so then I was like, oh, so there's a way to actually make it a human skill where there's evidences directly after that mediumship, which was, again, was already open. And then all along the way, I was always channeling too. And so that's, that's what I would sum it up as. But teaching, I, my, uh, my profile in human design is 5-1, one mm -hmm. being the investigator. So I love to investigate and I love to project that investigation <laughs> out into the world. <laughs> So teach, but in, in a practical sense, um, I do a mix of, I really love media, creating media. So that means with the classes, whether they are free offerings that I put out into the world and YouTube and on the podcast or the ones that I offer as courses and um, coaching. I love doing group coaching because I find it to be so powerful because there's the spiritual osmosis happening among the group. And then, yes, I, I have a deep specialty in expanding consciousness by using hypnotherapeutic tools and modalities. So there you have it. That's what I do. <laughs> do you find that with your clients, the same kind of a component of like whatever it is that they have suffered through or dealt with in a difficult way, then becomes actually the foundation to activate their gift? Because oh, yeah. it seems like those two things are related even um, in you. It's not just like, oh, bad thing happened and then great thing happened when I finally realized about the bad thing, but there's a link there, right? There's the learning and growing because you build yes. your power through that. Absolutely. And if that is something that is sort of integral to my perspective or my mission, it definitely is how I experience the world that whatever shadow we experience, whether it has to do with karma that we've created, karma we come in with, you know, coming in, choosing before birth to be in a family that where there was profound darkness, profound, almost not as bad as it gets, obviously, there's always something worse <laughs> happening, but kind of as, you know, almost as bad. Uh, it's, up, it's up there. That was a pre-birth, but it's sort of like an, an inherited karma that I chose pre-birth. And every, nothing is wasted. That's what I understand about the universe. Nothing is wasted. So if you've, you have some darkness, you have some shadow, it's actually your gift. It really is. And alchemizing it, because we are all alchemists. That's what we're here doing. We're turning spirit into human and human in, in ascending back to spirit. That is a process of alchemy. Alchemy happens by usually pressure, heat in, you know, in the literal sense of turning a base substance into a gold. 
it's heat, you know, it's compression. Changing my body from having a certain composition to another one, it needs work, it needs, you know, heat. And so that kind of crucible of the life, that's just what the journey is. We, we kind of left behind our magnificence in a way so we could rediscover it. So 100%, yes, that's what my clients, whatever they're coming in with, that's their gift and we're gonna make it, we're gonna alchemize it into that. Do you find that with animals, there's a similarity of the process as well? Because some animals get rescued after being in an abusive situation, and then they get a beautiful home where they loved and supported. But the first part of their life, a lot of times, is not pleasant. Yes, that can be that can be the case. Working with animals, it is usually work. It's usually because we're working with the human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the animals are really they're earth angels. They're they're so close to well, they're very close to the signature of Gaia, which is close to the signature of Source. And so, while they do have trauma that can sort of uh, stain their energy field, it's they're still very present. They're not ruminating over their pain or their wounds. They're and and they're connected to their primal nature, which always makes them very instinctively triggered. Uh, but yes, they it's really easy if an animal is coming with a strong story of difficulty, if. What's amazing is if you just hear it, if an animal communicator, if the human can understand it, it just requires that energy to be received. It's almost, it's instantaneous. They usually heal or shift their behavior. As long as my story is known, I trust that we all know where, what I'm here to be and how I am. And they're amazing. Where it takes us like a lifetime (laughs) to recover. Yeah, animals can do it very fast because they more directly link to the divine, right? So- When you communicate with an animal, I assume it's not an English language that pops up in your head, right? It's more of an empathic thing, or how how would you describe that? You know, that's a great question, and the answer is that it's it's varied. It there's so many different ways that it'll show up. Okay, here's an example: Uh, an animal who, when I communicated with, it was a dog, it was a female, and I. So my my process is the the person sends me a picture, the name of the animal, how long they've been together, and their questions. You just a few items for me to hook in, but I want the picture of the animal so I can connect with their energy. So I do everything remotely, and I do it without connecting with the human first, so that I can be free of the human's you know input on it yeah and so with this animal i didn't know the human and i'm i'm with this particular animal it was like i was writing a dialogue a script i would ask her a question and she answered it very succinctly with perfect sentences and everything and i and it looked amazing on paper and so when i got on the session with the human i was like you must talk to her a lot because she's very talkative now this is claire audience in my mind's ear and she's like oh yes i talk to her all the time and she comes to work with me and well i'm a magazine editor and everybody else <laughs> so the animal was very i mean whether it's adaptation or if it's her you know again pre-birth choice to choose someone to be able so she really at least was adapted to communicating with human english language other animals, they're very picture-oriented, movies. Another one may be feeling-oriented or a mix of all of those. And I do find that if it's a very young animal that is less adapted to human language, they haven't learned the language, which obviously we have to train dogs in order to understand the commands. We train them to understand their name. They may be more of the feeling and picture movies, you know, kind of orientation. But if they, some of, and maybe it has to do with intelligence, it has to do with talent. 
So it's a mix is my answer. <laughs> and well, it has to do with the personality. And, um, as a fellow clairvoyant and clairaudian person yeah. here, I'm kind of thinking of like when I tune into an animal, I get the echo of a visual usually like pictures okay. and movies. But <laughs> sometimes I get almost like a pattern that is translating through the conceptual field. So that might be how you get the words. That exactly. is really fascinating. So yeah. when you work with your clients, is it primarily the animals and then the person or do you mostly work with people guiding them somewhere and animals is just like come along <laughs> well um in I, I if i'm doing animal communication specifically whereas now i'm doing it very i'm doing it less and i'm teaching uh, but i do still do it and i actually am doing it more in charitable ways where i'm working with rescues and that's where my heart is uh, but i do still do it because i love it so much with uh with you know certain clients and i'll also sometimes it'll be a part of another session a little bit you know a small part of it um, but when I do, so when it's dedicated animal communication session, it's really working with the animal. Honestly, that preliminary session can be anywhere from 15 minutes to a little more than an hour. Depends on what the animal has to say. It also depends on how much time the animal wants to just hang out with me. Because sometimes they, like for example, if I connect with the dog, then the dog wants to play for a while. Again, all in the clairvoyance and everything, wants to play fetch before he'll settle down and, and build a rapport with me. So, you know, and then sometimes it's a 15 minute download session and they're like, I'm going to take a nap until you talk to my mom. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> and then we'll do that. <laughs> and then the human part of the session, it's a lot of healing and they continue to ask questions and we're really understanding one another. And then there's practical things like if it's a dog, these are the behavior modifications we can work toward. And yeah, so that's, yeah, that it's kind of, um, I, I, I guess, again, like a, my theme is I do a little bit of all of it. <laughs> yeah, because you naturally reflect so many energies. So yeah. if we put animals aside for a moment and kind of look at the human journey, and you are a spiritual teacher, your metaphysical um, understanding of reality is, there, there's a lot that you've studied, a lot that you pulled in, a lot that you can um, do. So can you speak a little bit as to what you do as spiritual leader within your community? Mm. Yes. Well, so far as the teaching is concerned, uh, I I really love to the I the, I think of it as metaphysical philosophy. I like to keep it free, you know, with a being open spirituality so that we are free of dogma. I'm also with the five one. The five is the disruptor. It's the heretic. I like to bust up our old paradigms, whether those are ones that are in the homogenized society and obviously in our individual self. So. I like to I like to download the information or channel the information before I even do the research. That's my preferred way. And sometimes and sometimes I mean there's a little bit of research just because I'm always interested in things or exposed to things, but I prefer to channel, download the information, the metaphysical philosophy and the mystical artistic application. And so I do love mysticism. I think of it as an art form. And um, I love to connect with the different universal energies. As you said, I'm open to so many energies. Mm -hmm. I just think of it like tuning the radio dial, all of the different, if you think of it as realms or frequencies. And so whatever those frequencies are, I like to tune into that and see what's available for us. And it will be tailored to whoever is going to be receiving it in any time space, you know, even if it's something someone hears as a replay two years later, you know, a spirit knows how to bring that in. And so it's very it, universal laws, a uh, law of one, 
all of the different kinds of mystical, even even witchcraft, because that's my natural heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm into a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, and you're mentioning like the law of one, which is yeah. one of the downloads that already have occurred. And then there's all sorts of extrapolation of that and yes. witchcraft as a different way of utilizing mysticism and actually yes. started from the Christian church, the other side from the Druids that didn't make it into Christianity um, <laughs> and so on. Do you find sometimes that um, for you and for your clients as well, there is a, a difficulty differentiating what is theirs and what is not? Because energetically, there's a lot of blending that happens. And I see that a lot when people kind of think like, oh, I'm interested in this. That means it's me. When actually it might be something that they just absorbing because of how they're designed, but not necessarily that it's actually them. And the same thing for you, like differentiating what's yours as in what are you experiencing and what's being reflected but not necessarily yours so when we're talking about if i'm directly engaging with a person or a community um, and differentiating what is mine and what is not mine the way it works for me is honestly mine just moves completely aside so i not to say that i'm perfect at all but i intend i have the intention and the calibration to Uh, that all just goes away. And then I also shift the intention to reflect the highest possible frequencies that are helpful to this person. Even if we're looking at pain and shadow, we're moving in that alchemical process to the higher frequencies. So here, and I'll give you, I've been in times where I was in some kind of healing circle where I was servicing and then maybe there was one or two other people leading as well. And there was, this has happened a couple of times, but I'm going to describe it as one time where one of the other, my co-leader where we were healing and, and doing, she turned to me and she said, you know, my friend, now let's serve you. What do you want to put on the altar? And I was like, I, 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 I mean, I felt, I didn't feel anything. I was like, I, all I could feel was the light because I, and I seriously, I wasn't, I was trying to find something because I wanted to honor that <laughs> offer. I couldn't find anything. I, you, I couldn't remember if I had pain in my whole life in that moment. So in a way, if I'm a part of it, it's it's still um, being the slowest energy type. It's way in the background and it's not in the forefront. That's, that's what I think. Um, so far as when we're talking about mystical and metaphysical concepts. So let's say some people are interested, you get interested in interdimensionals or ETs. And I'm interested in Arcturians. Does that mean I'm Arcturian? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I see that with my clients. With me, I kind of feel it very, I I know those kind of, we actually talked about it offline, I think. And then when I'm interested in one, it feels, it doesn't feel like me. It just feels like a friend, you know? So I don't think that's, for me personally, it seems really clear. Mm -hmm. And and also because I'm not very much of anything. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm kidding, but <laughs> that actually speaks to a lot of the difference in um, people's design, like w- what I use as a soul design, which is kind of a component of the human design, but many other things as well. And um, that's the same thing that I see. So it's good that you're speaking to it is that where we are in the highest place, we are so much of service that yes. the self is actually kind of on the background. So in that moment, the service to community or to individual you're with becomes the highest, most potent frequency. And when we are kind of in a, you know, normal conversation, whatever, then more self probably comes in depending on a design. But it's interesting what you're saying with the people. I've seen that a lot when somebody gets interested in something and then they start to think it's them. So would you say it's the awareness of self 
like of your own energies that plays the main role in understanding what's yours what's not yeah probably so that I would say so and maybe because of the place that I am in my deconditioning process because mm -hmm. when I was a different stage of my life for example I would take the Myers-Briggs test mm -hmm. and I I, it, I could answer the questions I could take it five times in a row and get five different results because <laughs> I didn't know what I felt like <laughs> Which is a, a a kind of a a habit of a of a reflector, and especially if I, I or an empath, and especially if you don't really know that you have no boundaries and that you you know that you've been just immersed in everybody else's energy. So I think with my clearing out process and my deconditioning, there is even though I joke, I mean even if we did just look at it as human design, I don't have channels, I don't have defined centers, but I have gates. You know what I mean? And so I do have characteristics, <laughs> maybe. It's less. Well, you have unique traits that are yeah. yours. You just don't have defined strengths. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't have defined strengths. That's very true. It's very fluid. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I think it's open it is... to whatever comes and activates in that moment for you. Yes. And so I think wow. it is knowing myself. And then it just feels familiar or resonant, or it just, or it feels like a friend, or it feels like no, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Well, it sounds like a very interesting journey, and I think a lot of empathic people can relate, is that boundaries are actually necessary in order to do any kind of a work. So if you're you know, in business with people as a coach or a healer or whatever, you kind of need to have boundaries. But it's interesting how from the empathic side, so many times the boundaries get kind of blended <laughs> away, and each... Uh, person based on their soul contract and their design and how their body is built, genetics, conditioning, imprinting, all of that, have different relationship with the boundary. So when you work with your clients, what would you say is the most um, common thing that people come to you with? Okay. Well, the most common thing, uh, <laughs> it has to, it usually is about purpose, um, about being in, having their their life expressed in a way that their spirituality and their life purpose is moving, you know what I mean? Like they feel connected to it, that this life and the things, the ways that they're moving and, and walking on this planet feel purposeful and that they want their spiritual awareness and activation to be like every footstep of this journey. And how do I get there and how do I do that? There is those, of course, um, similar healing, uh, that, you know, as we do, we retract what we are. So there may be narcissistic abuse. There's a lot of highly empathic people who come to me, people with, in, in the physical sense, people with autoimmune and chronic pain, because that is endemic usually of highly sensitive and empathic yeah, people. Yeah, it sounds like it's all about the sensitivity. Pretty much, yeah. All of the different ways, all of the different kinds. You could also, if you know human design at all, all of the concerns of the open centers. All of the shadow aspects of the open centers, all of those show up in my, at my doorstep. <laughs> but the sensitivity yeah. is the best way to describe it, yeah. Well, yeah, and the sensitivity is affected by um, the environment probably the most if the person's karmic filters are in the way. So that's kind of right. what you're describing. Totally makes sense. So if you dive in with the person, what would you say would be like your initial step? Like if you can kind of quickly put it in the box, like we start here usually, mm -hmm. like with all the people, this is the first thing I do. What would that be? The first thing that I do in a one-on-one -on -one session or even in a group session is I uh, create a resonant container and then I ask the person to walk into the center of it. The resonant container is all of their highest soul energies and intentions and it's a quantum 
It's like bare Merkaba and we create that and then we work inside that. I ask them to come into it and receive it and be received by the universe and then I enter it by going into their heart. After that, there might be a minor, a kind of like an energy scan, again, as a portal, the, the energy center that wants the most attention, mm -hmm. and then I channel. And the channeling, usually, it does have to, maybe it's that they're, uh, the archangels or the ascended masters or the interdimensionals, could be just their higher self, but we channel, I channel the, the most pertinent information that's attuning, but it's also literal information that is helpful to them. I don't know how long that goes on. Usually that whole process in a session is from the resonant container to the, it's like maybe 10, 15 minutes. And when I open my eyes and the channel stops and we're going to go into the healing portion and also more reading, you know, if they have questions, the person's weeping <laughs> because it was like, you spoke my whole soul. <laughs> so that's the, that's the very first thing that I do. Yeah. And that's an amazing kind of experience. I'm sure that the client then has with being recognized and reflected this way. Mm -hmm. So if you would kind of like, if this was the beginning, if we then look at the end, what mm -hmm. would be the kind of the result, I guess it's probably not the right word for like when they complete the work with you and move on to their own field out of your field, what is it that is the most common experience that your client has? Well, I end the session usually somewhere in there is actually some hypnosis which, or hypno healing. And so I actually do get into their subconscious mind and like a mechanic, do some work, do some adjusting of their energy field or subconscious mind. Those go in as downloads. And so usually immediately, the immediate outcome is the person will say, I feel so different and so much better. And it's I, I kind of don't even know why. That's the first thing. And then things unfold and unfold and unfold. These kinds of sessions that I'm talking about, like with my hypnotherapy and coaching, those are more therapeutic long term. But this kind of soul impact session, they they really at once a year and people will come back. People listen to them on the anniversary and three years later, there are you know things that unfolded, literal things that were, I guess, predicted in a way. Uh, but the and we have the intention so that the downloads will continue and they'll unfold in a sustainable and comfortable and exciting way. The balance of that so those are the outcomes that the things that they come with the concerns whether they're aware of them or they're not quite aware of them they are impacted and they are shifted and they are upgraded and ascended that's that's the outcome i guess wow that is just sounds so amazing and it's um such a pleasure to hear somebody speak from that level of understanding the energetics and um how the transformation occurs for the person and it's so true that sometimes people don't actually know what has changed and then they have to unpack it and mm -hmm. that unpacking process it's in itself i think it's just wonderful for them because yes. that's how they recognize more and more so um this leads us into like, do you have something that you can offer the audience here that they can perhaps start a journey with you or kind of taste a little bit what you're doing? Sure. Yes. Well, one of my specialties is as I'm a hypnotherapist and a meditation teacher and leader, I love creating, I download and create and channel audios, uh, you know, for call them meditation or, or hypno journeys. And so, and I find, and as you know, of course, that practice is the cornerstone of a, a spiritual experience, what, however your spiritual life looks for you. So I have a free mini course called Meditation, the Sacred Portal to Your Soul. There are some downloads of, I, if, I, if I can brag a little bit, very, very high production meditations because I do, a, I do that light, not just on the spiritual side, but on the technical side, I work 
really, you know, a lot on that. I have a team that helps me with them. And there are some lessons too to help to kickstart or up-level your meditation practice. Sacred portal to the soul. That That is great gift and it will be in the show notes. So if you're interested, definitely click that link and go visit uh, the work that Trisha does. So this is Trisha Carr and she is a spiritual teacher. You can find her on trishacarrcharmed.com. <laughs> and Charmed. thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Eugenia. Bless you. Bless everyone who's listening. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Coaches on a Mission. If you are a successful coach, mentor, or a healer who would like to be a guest on my podcast, please visit transcensiongate.com slash podcast. Are you the type of person who loves to help? If you got something out of this interview, I would love you to share this episode on a social media. Just take a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Would love for you to shout us out on Facebook and Instagram at Eugenia Oganova. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on a social media and let them know about the show. And please include the hashtag Conscious Coaches on a Mission. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. I'm regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and the guests. It means a lot. Want to know more? Go to my website, transcensiongate.com, to advance your consciousness and scale your business in a sustainable way using wealth energetics and soul design. And join my Facebook group called High Ticket Clients Energetics for Spiritual Coaches. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.